you, Mike. I appreciate that so much. How was everyone this morning? All right, Mike gave me a woo, and everyone else just kind of stared back at this blank stare. How, how is everyone this morning? All right, like three of you are good. The rest of you are just like, I'm not saying things out loud in this room. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm not going to ask you to say anything else out loud today other than responding to how you're doing. Um, so, uh, as you guys all, all already know, we've been, we've been doing the series called Heart Attacks, right? And um, it's all based off of this uh, key verse in Proverbs where, where King Solomon shares. If you're um, familiar with the Bible at all, the Bible talks about King Solomon being the wisest guy to ever live. So that's, that's kind of a big deal to make that statement, you know. Um, if the Bible said that I was the wisest man who ever lived, that would mean there'd be so many stupid people in the world. But Solomon actually was the wisest man who ever lived. And um, we've, we've put this verse up on the screen week after week after week after week. And I, you know, I just realized that, that I lied to you. I was going to ask, does anyone know, has anyone committed this verse to memory yet? Proverbs 4.23. Anyone, anyone bold and feeling, feeling awesome this morning? I'll take your resounding silence as a no. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. And t- I'll tell you what. Let's, 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 say, let's say this together. It's guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Okay, so this is a really, really key verse. And, and if you haven't already memorized it, you should. It's short. It's easy. But, but will you just say this one day? I want to burn this into your brain before we wrap this series up. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Guard your heart above all else. You guys are horrible at this. Let's try this again. One, two, three. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And that's what we've been talking about through this entire series, is that the emotions and the things that find their way into our heart, if we don't guard our hearts, if we don't protect what's going on in there, because let's be honest, every time you get hurt, every time that you're wounded, every time something happens that, that causes just kind of that, that uh, feeling inside your soul and your gut, I don't know about you, but a lot of times our, tempt- our, our temptation, our, our reaction is to be like, well, you know what I'm going to do with that sucker? I'm going to shove that to the side because I've got to get to work. I'm going to shove that to the side because I've got to do something with the kids. I'm going to shove that to the side because I don't want to feel, I don't want to deal with that right now. I'm just going to keep on keeping on. It's like I'm just going to push through this, right? And the problem with pushing through, as we've discovered throughout the entire series, is that those things just come back in other ways, in other anticipated ways, and the issue that you don't deal with in one relationship bleeds over into all your other relationships. The things that you didn't deal with in the last season of life come back to haunt you in your current season of life. And so... Um, We've been looking at these four emotions. This is week four of the series. So the very, very first week, we talked about the the, uh, emotion of guilt. And we talked about all of these uh, emotions. We can really understand them and, 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 and deal with them best if we think about them in a debt-debtor relationship. You know, if you think about them in the way you think about money. You're like, if I, if I borrow 20 bucks from you, the next time I see you, that kind of hangs over the conversation, right? Even if you don't bring it up and I don't bring it up, we are both thinking, yes, it is a nice day and the weather's good and how about the sports game last night, but also you owe me $20. 
Like it's there. Even if you're cool and gracious about it, it's there and this is what happens in our hearts. And so the very first week we talked about guilt. And guilt says, I owe you. I've done something wrong against you. I haven't treated you right in some area. I've done something that, that according to my own moral code is wrong. And so I feel guilty because I have a debt that I owe to somebody else. The second week we talked about jealousy. And while we're tempted to think about jealousy as a people issue, and man, aren't those people with all the stuff that I want and wish I had with the career, the talent, whatever, aren't they big jerk faces? And we said, no, that's actually not it. You're mad at God. You're saying God owes me because God could have given me their wealth. God could have given me their talent. God could have given me their fill in the blank, their kids, whatever it is. Last week, we talked about greed, and we discovered that no one in the world is actually greedy, that no one admits to being a greedy person. But when we, when we look at the idea of greed, it's saying, I owe it to myself. Like, everything that I have, I have earned. It's mine. And so I can't be generous. I can't do this because I owe me. And so this week, um, we are going to be talking about the issue of anger, Anger, And so um, this is something that I think has the, maybe the widest spread impact of all of them. But before I get talking about that, um, when, when, I was, when I was growing up as a kid, when I, when I got into like sixth grade or somewhere in there, maybe fifth, I don't know, uh, I started cutting the grass at our house. That was my responsibility. And so our, our house in, in Cumberland had this backyard with fenced-in backyard. And in the corner, uh, in each corner of the backyard, there were these pear trees, one in each corner. And... I gotta, I gotta tell you, I hated, hated those pear trees. They didn't bother me until it was my job to start cutting the grass. But once it was my job to start cutting the grass, I hated those pear trees so much. I asked my parents multiple times about chopping them down because, you know, the, the, the trees had, had been there before we moved in and we didn't do anything with the pears. Like, I don't know who eats pears, but it, not us, not me. And so they would just, the, the, the fruit would just fall off the tree and, and it would rot and it would attract all these bugs and you'd step on them and you'd have to pick this mushy, gross pear off your shoe before you went back into the house and cutting the grass, like... It was a freaking minefield, right? Like I'm going with the push mower and it hits one of those pairs and then stuff shooting everywhere. And I mean, it's good that they were at the back corner of the yard because uh, maybe I would have been able to convince my parents to cut them down if they were closer to the house and, and things. But I mean, I'm trying not to twist ankles out there. You're stepping on them like fruit flies and bugs are just making a big cloud with every step I take. And... Um, you know, so one day I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this problem. I'm going, I'm, I'm not doing this another time. Before I cut the grass, I'm going to grab this trash can and I'm going to go and grab a shovel and I'm going to scoop up all of these pears, get them out of my way, take care of this problem and, and it'll be all good. And that problem was solved. But for how long, right? A, a, couple, of, a couple of weeks because we know that Picking up the pears doesn't actually solve the problem, right? And that story's not true. I was never hardworking enough to go and go pick up all those pears. I just complained about it until we, you know, until I moved out of the house. But we we know, you know, you, that that picking up all those pears that's not going to solve the root cause of the problem, right? If you really wanted to get rid of that problem once and for all, there's only one solution. You know, it's to cut the tree down to take that problem up by the roots. And what was obvious to a junior higher 
is missed by us adults all the time when it comes to what is in our hearts. And I never tried to pick up all those pairs because it was obvious that wouldn't fix the problem. That was just going to be an exercise in frustration. In order to get rid of the pears, we need to dig the tree up by the roots. And while I didn't have permission to cut down the tree or to tear it up by the roots or the skill to even do it if I had the permission, we all have the option, we all have the choice to take the issues that, that are in our hearts and deal with them by the roots. And this first approach of, of going around and, and I'm going to go pick up all these pears every week and get them out of my way, that's kind of the way we tend to tackle heart issues in our lives. Like we just keep picking up and apologizing for our insensitive words we, we say or, or the inappropriate behavior that we may have. You know, we swear to ourselves, I'm, I'm, uh, maybe the people around us, we promise them, we say, I'm never going to act that way again. I'm never going to, 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 to lash out in anger that way again. I'm not going to do this again. And we, we genuinely mean it. We never want to do that again because we always feel terrible after we've, we've had this outburst or whatever. But the problem is, all we're doing is picking up pears, and then we repeat the mistake, because until you dig the, the tree up by the roots, that problem's just coming back. All you've done is buy yourself a few pear-free weeks before it comes up. Or maybe if you're really, you know, really fortunate, maybe you hit a season of life like wintertime, and the pears aren't going to grow on the tree, but it's just, it's there. And as soon as springtime rolls around, and as soon as the weather warms up again, as soon as the conditions are right, that sucker's going to be dropping pears all over your yard again. And so our heart issues have to be dealt with at the source and pulled up by the roots. And so just like all the other issues we've been talking about, guilt and, and greed and jealousy, and, and we all think about them in terms of people issues, like, oh, I've got a problem with him, I've got a problem with her. Like the reason I'm so angry is, is, is not because of something I've done or something that's in my heart, but, but it's, it's these external things. All of these issues, they're not people issues. Anger is a heart issue. And we assume it's a people issue, but it's a heart issue. And I want to look at, at, at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. And it's, it's got some, some really great stuff about dealing with anger. I'm going to put the verse up on the screen. It says this. This is Paul talking, the Apostle Paul. He says, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And it's important to note here that getting angry in the moment... It's not necessarily sinful or wrong. It's not, a, it's not an immoral thing to get angry. You read the, read the Gospels, you see there are times where it literally says, Jesus was angry. And the question is about, isn't about what should I feel or I should never have that feeling of anger, but what to do with what I feel. And the threat to our heart begins when we begin to hold on to our anger we allow that anger to stew in our hearts, to simmer, and to take root in our heart. And that's why it says here, do not let the sun go down while you're angry. And that's, that's probably not something, the first time you've heard that before, right? You've probably heard someone say before, hey, uh, never go to bed, never go to bed angry with someone. You know, always, always talk it out. And that's, 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 that's good advice. It's, it's great advice. But, you know, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise hands, but... but um, isn't it true that you've had some, some difficulties, some challenges with a relationship that couldn't get talked out in a 24-hour time period? Haven't there been some things that, that, that have come along and that issue was bigger than what you could resolve before the sun went down? And so the idea is we don't want to allow today's anger 
to carry over into tomorrow. And uh, I'm going to read this verse again in the, in the New Living Translation. It says this, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't sin by letting anger control you. In other words, it's not wrong to have a moment of anger. There's nothing wrong with, with a situation or something making you angry. But allowing anger to control you is going to lead you into sin. And it's so important that we don't allow today's anger to carry over into tomorrow. And we're going to read, read in the next verse why that's so important. In verse 27, it continues. It says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. When we choose to hang on to our anger, when we choose to carry our anger from one day into the next, from one season of life into the next, it's an open invitation to the devil to come and hang out in your heart. Now, I don't know if you believe in the devil or not. I personally do because Jesus believed in the devil and whatever the guy who rose from the dead believes, I'm just going to go with that and assume he knows what's best. But what, regardless of what you believe about it, Think about it this way. Would you allow a complete and total stranger to just come and move into your home? Probably not, right? Like you wouldn't allow someone that you, you had no, no idea of what kind of person they were. You wouldn't allow them to just come and hang out and stay with your family in your home, right? Now, what if I told you, well, not, maybe not in your home, but what if you allowed them to hang out and, and just live in your garage? Or what about in the shed out back? Would you, would you allow a complete and total unknown stranger to just live in your shed or your garage? And of course the answer is no, because as silly as that example is, you know, what would you expect to happen if you allow someone to start living in the corner of your garage? Would you expect them to just stay there indefinitely, to never get curious, to never venture out, to never see if the door was locked, to, to not, you know, when I'm gone, what's that person doing that lives in my garage or my shed? Like you would never do it because you can't trust someone that you don't know well. And everything, likely everything and everybody important to you is in your home, right? Like, like all the things that matter to you most, you know, the, the people that matter to you most are there. You know, likely the, 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 the possessions or, or the memories or the, the irreplaceable th items in your life, they all reside in your home. Well, when we allow anger to carry over from one day into the next, from one season into the next, it is like clearing out a little space in our heart for the devil to hang out. And we just somehow expect he's just gonna stay in the corner of the garage. He's never gonna move a box. He's never gonna come and see what's in the fridge. Like we know that that's ridiculous when you think about it with a person living with us, but this is what happens. The Bible says this is what happens when we allow anger to hang out in our hearts. And the bottom line of anger, if you talk about uh, the, the, the debt-debtor relationship is anger says, you owe me. You owe me. When we experience anger, it's when we don't get something that we wanted, that we felt like that we deserved, that we were entitled, that we had a right to. And an anger person is nearly always a hurt person. And why is the angry person hurt? Because something was taken from them. I mean, think about the way we verbalize and the phrases we use all the time. You took 
my reputation. If you go out and I feel like you lie about me and say something that's not true, and, and you know, you go out and you say, did you hear that, that John stole all the church's money? What a horrible guy. I would be upset with you, and I would feel like you had taken my reputation because you said something that was not true. Or you might, you know, in another situation, you might say, oh, you stole my family. You took the best years of my life. You stole my first marriage. You robbed me of my teenage years. You robbed me of my purity. You, you, you've heard this maybe in the workplace before. You owe me a raise. Like I have done things. I've gone an extra mile. You owe me a raise. You owe me an opportunity to try. Have you ever told someone that you owe me a second chance or that you owe me affection? The root of anger is the perception that something has been taken from me. And that perception oftentimes is reality, it's truth. It's not, it's not a false perception. Something has been taken from you, something precious often. And every time that something has taken from me, it creates a deficit where somebody owes me. And if we think about this in, in, in terms of bookkeeping and finances, imagine that you go to check your bank balance online one day and you see that someone has taken $3,000 out of your account. And what are you going to do? But you're, you're going to pick the phone up immediately. You're not going to wait and be like, well, we'll see if this takes care of itself in the next couple of weeks. I mean, that's how we do things in our heart. We're like, well, we'll see. I'll just kick that down the road. But if you, if you check your bank account and you see $3,000 that you know you didn't take out, that you know your spouse didn't take out, you're picking up the phone immediately calling the bank. A debt has been created. Someone's taken $3,000 for you. And how can that be made right? The only way that can be made right is for the person who removed the money from your account to put that back and apologize, hopefully. And if they can't put it back, then what do we want? We want, well, then bank, you, bank, you figure it out because I didn't authorize it. Now it's on you. And the worst thing that you or I can do with the anger that we encounter in life is to not just carry it from one day into the next, but what if you're carrying your anger from one season of life into the next season of life? When we allow anger to hang out in our heart's garage, it doesn't stay there. And when the sun sets on one season of life, it's easy to lose sight of the original source of your hurt and your anger. And when you and I, when we decide to give the devil a foothold by holding on to anger, our anger doesn't just stay there and, and, and remember the person that hurt us or wronged us or that owes us. But if we allow that anger to stay there, it will eventually tell us that, you know what, everybody owes me. And have you ever, have you ever met a, a, just an a, a angry person who seems angry all the time? Isn't that how they walk through life? Everybody owes them. Whether you're a stranger, whether you're the boss, the supervisor, a coworker, the new guy on the job, the, the new, new boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it is, ever, they're walking around with this giant, what we say, this giant chip on their shoulder, and they just, the smallest thing will set them off. They are angry. They've been hurt. Someone's taken something from them, and they've decided, you know what? That's not fair, that's not right. And so if I can't get it, get it back from whoever hurt me, or if I can't even see it because my vision's so clouded by allowing anger to hang out in the, in, in the house of my heart, well, I'm just gonna go around and be looking to get payback from anybody I can. And Paul goes on to say this about anger in verse 31. 
and he tells us how to deal with anger. And, it's, and to be quite honest, it's, it's not very helpful on the surface. He says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Paul says, just get rid of it. Get rid of your anger. Thanks, Paul. That was super helpful. I'm not sure I can do that, but good talk. Right? He says, get rid of all anger, all these evil times. It's like, Paul, I can't get rid of it. You don't understand. You haven't heard my story. Okay? I'm not angry, right, because they stole my pudding at lunch in fifth grade. I'm angry because of these deep wounds that, that, that were caused in this relationship in the past. I'm angry because my dad was never there for me. I'm angry because my marriage got messed up by this thing or that thing. I am angry because I, I, I should have been in line for this, this, this promotion at, job, at my job, and, and it was given to somebody who doesn't work nearly as hard as I. Like, I'm angry, and you don't understand, Paul, the depth of what was taken from me. You don't understand how big of a, of a debt I am owed. And it seems obvious to us, right, that the only remedy for anger is, is payback, right? Just like our, our, our illustration with the bank account, like the only remedy for someone taking 3K out of my bank account is for somebody, hopefully the person responsible, but hey, I don't really care who it is. As long as 3K finds its way back into my bank account, that's the only way they can be made right. Like after all, that, that's, that's how debts get settled, right? When they get paid back. What other option could there be? Or, or sometimes, right, we, we all experience this. People are like, okay, well, if I, can't get, if I can't get paid back what I'm owed, at least that person should have to hurt the way that I hurt. At least that person should have to have the same kind of thing taken from them. And even if there was another option other than, than being paid back, how in the world would that be fair? Like that would not be right. And in the very next verse, Paul gives us a different solution for anger. He says this, verse 32, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. I'm like, hold on, Paul. I, that's, that's not right. Like, if I, if I just get rid of my anger, if I just forgive them, aren't I letting them off the hook? How are they going to learn from their mistakes, their behavior? If I let them off the hook, how is that, how is that right? How is that fair? And Paul, they don't deserve that. It's, and it's true. It's not fair. It is unfair. And they don't deserve to have a debt canceled. Now, before I go on and read what Jesus has to say about this issue of anger, I want, to, I want to give you another, another example. Imagine you, you go into the doctor. Some, something's not quite right. You've been, you have some symptoms, and you go into the doctor, and the, the doctor runs all these tests on you. You know, of course, you spend like that hour waiting in the room by yourself, and he finally comes back in, right? And the doctor has, has this grim look on your face, like, oh, doc, what, what is it? And the doctor says, I'm, I'm really sorry to, to have to, to be the one to, to tell you this news, but you have cancer. Now, is your first question back to the doctor saying, cancer? How in the world did I get cancer, doc? I need you to figure out, I want you to take all of your time, your talent, your resources, your training, and figure out how I got this. 
No, we, we don't want to know about that. What do we want to know? If we go to the doctor, we want to know, how do I get rid of it? What's the treatment plan? What is the option for me to get rid of this? Because we know that allowing cancer to stay in our body is, is a death sentence. It will ruin our physical life quite literally. And when we allow anger to hang out in our hearts, our question shouldn't be, well, how did, I, how did it get there? Whose fault is this? Our question should be, how do I get rid of it? Because getting rid of our anger in our heart is more important than the fairness, which I know is not, it's not what I want to hear. And I know it's not what you want to hear, but it is the truth because anger in our heart is exactly like a cancer. And it is deadly. And it is just like cancer is indiscriminate on which parts of your body it spreads to. Anger is indiscriminate on what relationships and what's, what areas of your life it goes and impacts. When we think about the source of our, our anger in our lives, most of the time it's completely impossible for somebody to pay back the debt they owe to us anyway. I mean, how do you repay someone for taking away your reputation? They, they, they can't go and undo the damage that's been done. How can you, you, you be paid back for someone who's, who's ruined your family? How can you, you know, go back in time and, and, and repay someone a happy childhood? Or, or a safe environment to grow in. How can you go back and give someone back their first marriage? How can you go back and give somebody a career? In nearly every situation, whoever we're angry at, whoever owes us, they can't pay it back anyway. And so it brings us to this definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is simply the decision to cancel the debt. Forgiveness says, you don't owe me anymore. And before we're tempted to scream back at Paul and say, that's fine for you to say, get rid of it and just forgive them. But you don't understand my story. My story would break your heart, Paul. My story, it's, it's so wrong what happened to me. It was so unjust. He goes on to say this in verse 32. And put the rest of the verse up there. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. You see, forgiveness breaks the power of anger over our hearts. And Jesus tells this whole parable in Matthew 18 to illustrate what it's like. When we, when we want to say, God, there's no way I'm going to let them off the hook. There's no way I'm going to cancel that debt that they owe me because my story is, is, is unique. My, my pain is, is, is greater than, than average. And so he tells this story, Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. He says this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought to him who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. Just like whoever's hurt you, whoever we're angry at, they likely, they can't pay. They racked up a debt with you that they have no chance of paying, just like this guy owed millions of dollars to the king. 
So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. His master was filled with pity for him and he released him and he forgave his debt. So you have this guy who, who has racked up a debt. He's got no hope of ever paying. And in ancient times, the way that you handled debt collection wasn't that someone blew your cell phone up all the time. It was that, well, now you're an indentured servant and you just, you're going to work it off. And if that takes you to the day you die, that's how it goes. Lesson learned. And so this guy's, you know, begging for mercy because he knows this is basically the end of his life. Like, I'm going to now just work until the day I die to pay off my debt, which I'll never pay. He owes us that and it gets forgiven. And so look at what, what happens next. But when the man, the man who'd been forgiven a debt of millions of dollars, left the king, he went out and he comes across a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servants, I'm sorry, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor, the guy who owed millions, wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, thrown into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man in. He had forgiven and he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And this next verse, I'm not even going to pretend that I know exactly what all the implications of it are, but it says this, and this is Jesus talking. He says, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, I, I, I get it, okay? Like, when people have wounded us, like seriously wounded us, not called us names on the playground when we were in sixth grade, but I mean done truly terrible things and taken things from us that are priceless, that are irreplaceable, things that can never be paid back. Our temptation, our desires to want to, like I'm not letting that go. They need to pay. They need to try. They need to at least apologize. They like, I want something from them. They owe me. Anger says you owe me. And Paul says, no, you've got to get that out of your heart like a cancer. And Jesus says, hey, just remember, when you're having a hard time canceling that debt, you need to remember the, the debt that I've canceled on your behalf and the debt that Jesus paid on your behalf. And so when we think about how we have all of us wronged our Heavenly Father. You say, well, no, I'm, I'm a good person, John. I've never, never really, I'm, I'm, I don't owe God this debt. I'm, I'm a good person. Well, what would you call your child 
who, who spit on everything you tried to offer them, who rejected all your moves of love and re re responded to every move of grace and compassion you ever gave to them, didn't acknowledge how the, 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 they, that you raised them and, and you took care of them when they were too little to take care of themselves and you fed them and you clothed them and you changed them and you raised them up and then when they become a, 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 an adult, they act like you had absolutely nothing to do with them getting to where they're at. That's just a little sliver of how all of us have treated our Heavenly Father. Some of us have denied that He's even real. Some of us have denied that He has had any role in our lives at all. And we've all had moments where we've been angry at God, mad at God for, for jealous reasons, for whatever. And, and Jesus says, hey, listen, you may have a really big debt that's owed you. you may, someone owes you $3,000, and that's no small amount of money, and, and my heart breaks for your heart. But don't forget, my Heavenly Father canceled your debt of millions. And so when we want to say, Paul, Jesus, you don't know my story, we need to remember Jesus' story. And we also need to remember that we can't get paid back anyway. Whatever happened with your parents long ago, they can't go back and undo that. Whatever happened in that relationship before, that, that, that first marriage, for a boyfriend, girlfriend, that, that can't go back and change. Whatever hurtful, wrong things that, that, that someone said to you, that scarred you, that you carry with you maybe even to this day, that, 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 that come up all the time, whatever is in your heart, they can't pay the debt they owe you. They have accumulated a debt beyond their means or ability to ever pay back. And so, I'm going to give, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of, of three-step applications, but, but I'm going to give you one today. And here are the steps to forgiveness. And the first thing you have to do is, is identify who you're angry with. And this can be tricky, right? Like some, sometimes, you know, some of you may be saying, I know who I'm angry at. They're all sitting right beside me right now. Those are the people I'm angry with. But I want, I want to challenge you, maybe look back a season or two in life. Maybe look back before you're in that relationship. Maybe look back before marriage. Maybe look back into and, and to your, your, your 20s or, or, or your teens or, or whatever. And, and you got to identify who it is you're actually angry with. You have to identify who is it that actually owes me that debt? Because I'm not up here this morning saying that that's not real and they don't owe you anything. And no, they actually do owe you. They owe you a debt they can't pay. But you've got to identify actually who it is that you're actually angry at. And like I said, if we allow anger to hang out in our hearts, it gets really hard to, to, to identify who's, who we're really angry with, right? I mean, we, we all know this is true, right? Even in just like short-term small things. Like if you have a horrible day at work and you're mad at a coworker because they were like super lazy and you had to pick up the slack so your day sucked because they were just like on vacation on the clock, you come home and, 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 and your spouse says something or your kids do something and you blow up at them, you're not actually angry at them, right? Like, like we've all done this, like come home and, and stepped on the Lego and then unleashed like the fury of all of our anger on, on, on poor Ben who left his Lego on the floor and I stepped on it. I'm not actually that angry at him. I'm angry about something completely different. So we have to identify who it is we are actually angry with. We have to identify who owes us. And the next one, this, this one's important. And this one we, we, we kind of skip over because if you've been, I mean, 
I'm not talking to you guys for the first time about forgiveness. You're like, what is this forgiveness word you're talking about? I've never heard it. We all have been told, hey, you need to forgive people. You got you to move on. But oftentimes we're, we're just taught to just say those words. You know, whether it's face to face, I forgive you for what you did to me. Or we just in, in our mind and prayer say, I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. But you can't forgive somebody until you've determined what you're owed. You can't forgive someone until you know and define exactly what you're owed. And this is an important step. You have, to, you have to take the time to pray through and to process, what is it that that person from my past owes me? What is it that, 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 that they need to pay back to me? Because you can't cancel a debt until you know what you're owed, right? Like, like going back to our money example, if I owe you 20 bucks and we get together and it's awkward, you have to say, hey, forget about that $20. You can't just say, hey, forget about whatever. Like, I don't know exactly what we're talking about then. You have to determine exactly what you're owed. And then the last step is to simply decide because of what God has done for me because of his love and mercy in me, I am canceling that debt. And while that, honestly, it's not fair and it's not right, like they've done nothing to deserve having that debt canceled. But it's not about what they deserve. It's about what's going on in my heart. It's about treating anger in my heart like cancer and saying, I am going to cancel. You don't owe me anymore. I am no longer going to expect from you to somehow restore my childhood. I'm never going to expect from you to somehow restore the, the, what, what's been taken. I forgive you. Because forgiveness breaks the power of anger over our hearts. And so as we, as we wrap up this morning, I want to almost all kind of just find a, a posture and place of prayer. And um, Eli, I'm going to ask you just to put on some, some music in the background. And I want you to give this opportunity to invite the Spirit of God to just speak to us for a moment. And I want you to ask God's Spirit, saying, would you, would you examine my heart right now and point out to me any places where I'm holding an open account where I've got my ledger and it says this person, they still owe me. I am waiting on them to pay me back. God brings to mind, whatever God brings to mind. Maybe it's not even an anger thing. Maybe it's one of the other issues we've been talking about through this series. I want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, you have been so kind and so gracious to us. You have forgiven us what we owed you when we had no 
hope of paying our debt. So God, would you help us? Because we are not as good as you. We are not as gracious as you. So God, we need your help to cancel some old debt. Because we don't, God, we don't want anger to hang out in our lives and be coming back season after season and, and, and ruining new relationships and ruining new seasons and ruining the good things that are going on in our lives. God, we don't want it there. God, we want to treat it like a cancer. We want it out. We just want to get rid of it. So God, will you help us to identify who owes us, to determine what they owe us, and to cancel that debt. Because God, we want our hearts to be clean and healthy and open to what you want to do in us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm really glad all you guys made it here this morning. I hope this has been helpful. I hope you've felt and heard God speak to you on a personal level this morning. And um, just before, before I send everybody on for the rest of your week, uh, I'm excited, really, really excited about our, our next uh, series. The next series we're going to be doing is going to be on relationships. And uh, Tilly and I, we're gonna we're gonna do something we've never tried before. We're we're gonna co-preach it, the whole thing. So we're both gonna be up here with microphones at the same time, and so we'll see how many times I get in trouble for cutting her off because I I can do it in my sleep. Um, but it's it's gonna be really good. And so we're gonna look at, at at the next five weeks at relationships. Really really great content. Excited to share with you guys. So um, this week I want to encourage you um, those sticky notes. Pray for somebody. Pray for somebody and allow God to change your heart. This week, tell somebody about some of the things that God's been doing in your life. This week, invite somebody to participate in, in what you're doing, whether whether you're in, in, in part of a discovery group already, or or you know maybe if you're not, you invite them here on a, on a Sunday morning. But it is our job as we as we've been looking since we started this church. Like God wants to reach people through you. Like you are his plan A, B, C, D, all the way down to triple Z. Like you're God's plan to reach the people around you. And the great thing is he's promised to do all the heavy lifting. We just have to obey his lead. So I love you guys. Have an awesome, fantastic rest of the week. See ya.